Deathloop, Squid Game, and last message, this is staying in. I heard the other day that apparently a spoon is the best thing to spread butter. What? Like the back of a spoon. What? Well, no, that's nonsense because you can't. You then have to scoop it out. I once had. I once lived with someone who, when they spread, when they took butter out to spread their toast, they didn't like nicely wipe the knife across the top. They would just gouge out a load of butter from the middle of the tub, and just and then spread it that way. And it's just insanity. No, I've done that. I've done that. Why? It is, it is a. It is well because it depends on the level of spreadability of the butter. Like if you've got a really nice spreadable butter, it's fine. If you're going with a with a gold, for example, oh, I love a bit of gold spread. Uh, if you're going with a gold, absolutely no problem whatsoever. Uh, if you're going with a clover, no problem. But as soon as you get into real butter, Dan, I'm a hundred percent with you. You need thin, thin scrapings because when you're into real butter, that stuff is going to rip the bread, and there is nothing worse in this world than ripping the toast with some cold butter. One thing worse, when you're making a sandwich. Fine. You know what? There's one thing worse, (laughs) (laughs) and it's that. Ripping the toast. Yeah, because the the toast has an element of kind of rigidness that the the, the, the butter can cling to, and the heat from the toast can kind of help it. But with a sandwich, you end up just with a ball of butter with bits of bread on the outside. Yeah, you're in in butter town, aren't you? It's not good. Ever get that feeling when you know we started recording for five minutes? You think there's no saving this yeah. edition of the <laughs> yeah yeah. We think we might as well just give up now. Every single time. <laughs> <sighs> How's the PlayStation settling in, Chris? Oh my word, Sam! It's incredible. Literally, yeah. as a continuation of our last last bit of the conversation as soon as i got home it was quite late at night when i left yours i thought mm. oh, it's, i'll just uh yeah, just leave it do it in the morning do I'll it just, in the morning yeah I'll just do it in the morning but um no i thought no actually no i'll just have a little i'll open it up <laughs> have a look inside check actually whether it is there yeah it's not just full of flesh and blood cards well i thought <laughs> well i've got i've got the playstation out now i might as well just you know just see what it looks like next to the telly yeah. still see if i can still see the television mm, that's important yeah. once i put it up there next to it um, oh well, well it's there now. I might as well just. Well, it's only two plugs, isn't it? It's only two cables, <laughs> HDMI and power. I might as well just plug those in. Actually, bear in mind, I've got to move my stuff across, haven't I? That's going to take a while. I might as well get it yeah, doing get that a, now. Get a, head, get a head start. Yeah, yeah, of course. And before I knew it, you haven't slept since. Oh, <laughs> incredible! Um, my neighbour and his daughter came round just to do that bit in Astro's play, Astro's playroom, isn't that what it's called? Where you yeah. you just do the controller introduction thing. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just the quickest way to kind of just show that this is the PlayStation 5. This is the difference between that and the PS4. Um, and it's been great. Um, I'm about halfway through Ratchet and Clank um, mm. at the moment, which I got as a bundle of it. And I'm really, really enjoying the giddy fun of it. And just, yeah. I know we've spoken about it quite a lot, so I don't want to overlabor the point, but just when I boot it up and go, ah. Oh, how much time have I got left? Well, hang on, let me just see. How long does this level take? Oh, 65 minutes. Oh, that's handy. Okay, great. Yeah. That's really handy. Um, and just the immediacy of how quickly it boots up, it's just, it, it's slotted into my life effortlessly. Whereas usually you'd have to, you know, boot up the console while you're doing other things and get back to yeah. when everything's wait, when everything's kind of um, setting up and stuff. It's just great. I can just dip in and dip out of it. So I'm having an absolute yeah. blast of it, I must admit. Like it's been, it's been really good just getting back into um, Ghost of Shima again after I sort of played it for a bit on the PS4. And then other things came out, sort of gone into it again. I think I'm going to get the Death Stranding upgrade as well, considering it's only I think Sony announced it's only five quid. Yeah. To upgrade it from the PS4 version to the PS5, um, so I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, I might as well for a game that I think is actually really excellent and maybe Kojima's best work. Oh, come on. This is this is this is a Turner contrarianism, isn't it, really? <laughs> oh, it's actually uh, his his best work uh, since uh, Snake's Revenge. <laughs> I mean, Pete, you you've already made your opinions of like what's the best butter, so I think we can leave this to sound. <laughs> so you've been enjoying Ratchet and Clank, Chris. And I've been enjoying Ghost of Tsushima again. And then there was other exclusive announced. Oh yes, for 
for the PlayStation 5. Mm. And I was like, all right, Deathloop. Uh, it, it's a bit, you know, meh. Everyone's doing looping things these days, aren't they? Like, seems like it's a bit of the jumping onto the bandwagon of everyone else. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pre-order. I'm going to see. I'm going to. I'm going to read reviews before I see. Before I see if it's for me. Yeah, yeah. Cut to like a day later, pre-ordered. <laughs> <laughs> um, they released that review embargo just at the right time, um, which is good because they didn't do that for Prey and. <laughs> a cautionary tale. A cautionary oh, tale. Um, I will come back to Prey at some point. Um, but yes, so yeah, Death Loop has come and it is pretty much keeping me away from playing Ghost of Tsushima. So <laughs> when I will ever complete that game, I don't know. But So, so all right, so what's... Oh, boy, what is Death Loop? Uh, so Death Loop is... Um, it's from uh, Bethesda and Arcane. Um, now, I was I was drawn to it um, because I was a big fan of Dishonored. Um, mm. I really enjoyed that game. So when that that was coming out, and they were it were they were getting kind of um, similarities with the kind of Dishonored. Obviously, it's a very different game, but there were similarities there. So I was kind of drawn to it. I was I wasn't sure if I was going to get it kind of day one, but then I just kind of. I saw Sam was getting it, and I was like, well, I'm not going to be left behind here. So Zeitgeist. I, I, so I hopped on that bandwagon. Um, so mm. the idea of Deathloop is it's a first-person um, adventure type thing uh, where you find yourself on an island um, where you very quickly find that the island is trapped in a time loop, which resets every day. Um, but not only that, you find that you are being hunted by everyone on the island and you don't really know why. The idea of the game is you have to kill eight specific people over the course of a day, which is split into four individual um, time periods um, over four separate locations um, in order to break the loop. If you die, you reset to the start. If the day finishes and you haven't done it, you reset to the start and you have to do it all over again. Um, hmm. So I part of me wasn't sure about it because it struck me as the kind of the genre I think of like learning by failure, the likes of your Dark Souls and Demon Souls, where it's a you need to keep going through and you're going to die a lot, but that's how you learn. And that's what I was a bit worried about that because I'm not that doesn't really fill me with a lot of excitement. So something like Returnal, I was really kind of hesitant with Returnal because that apparently had really long periods that you had to get through before you could offer any kind of save point, because that would kind of spit you back to the start as well. But mm. I, I really liked what I was hearing from this, so I've, I've gone in, and I have to say, I'm not too far into it. The tutorial is really comprehensive, and I'm only just out of the tutorial, but it, that is quite a comprehensive... It does really give you a feel of everything in the game, and then it kind of says, here you go, enjoy yourself. And although there is there are kind of four distinct locations in the game and you are limited somewhat into what you can do. I would say it's the most open I've ever felt with a game, even kind of proper open world games. Because I always find with an open world game like your Elder Scrolls or your Fallout and stuff like that, we've talked about it at length before, the whole paralysis of choice of not really knowing what to do. Um, mm -hmm. and not, so not really kind of feeling you're getting the most out of a game. With this, they kind of say to you, go and investigate and you have a task to do. You figure out how to do that all by yourself. So there's a lot of investigating that needs to be done. Um, lots of uh, searching for different people, finding out where people are, watching people, watching patrols. But because of that, because you have a goal and you have that freedom to do whatever you want, it felt like just like a beautifully open world that I did have the freedom to do whatever I wanted rather than, oh, I'm just going to do a little side quest here. So there aren't really those kind of things. Everything is driven towards a singular goal, but the how you get there is completely up to you. And where I am now, I can't comprehend how I'm going to complete this game and because in order to complete it you have to kill these eight people over the course of one day i can't fathom how i'm going to be able to do that right now because mm. i i don't know any i don't know enough because i've not investigated enough 
you can it off, gives you the chance to explore as much as you like but i've kind of cuz i knew cuz i kind of felt i was in the tutorial and it was pushing me along a certain kind of linear line i followed that line i could have de- deviated but i kind of chose not to um and so i've just reached the point now where i can kind of take the shackles off um and i'm really excited now so where do i start i think for the first time ever I'm going to be playing this game with like a pad of paper next to me making notes. And I've never done that before, but I think I might do with this. And I'm excited about that prospect, which Mm. is interesting. I'll make notes as to, okay, this person was here at this time. So I might have to watch him there. Maybe have to kill this person here or do all these different stuff. Um, Sam, I think you're a little bit further ahead than me, aren't you? By the, by my Mm. understanding. Mm. My notebook is fuller. I do. I do have. I I have my little um, death loop notebook that I've got that I've got with me. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and in true fashion, he burns it every at the end of every day and rewrites it from scratch yeah, the next probably day. Probably can't see, but I've 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 started making little notes about yeah. um, certain characters and certain things that I deem interesting, and I kind of those are investigative, like tangents and like little threads that I kind of want to go down. Um, because Dan's absolutely right. Like the freedom that you feel. I mean, this is this is more immersive sim. This is a game that really wants you to really embed yourself and really take a deep dive as, as this character cult. One of the most important things is the main menu where you kind of you start off at every point in the day, and that's where you kind of you you set the time of day that you want to go explore, and you set the location that you want to go and explore into and that only opens up after the first hour which is when you finish the tutorial and i noticed this today and what i really what really sort of sold this whole prospect of what this game is going to be going forward on that screen you can assign yourself threads to follow so as you're exploring these four different areas you'll notice things and cult will kind of comment on things and take notes so for example i spotted a door in one area that needs a spoken code to unlock it Mm. and colt has like logged that and gone okay i don't know what the word is but i know this thing is here i can then select that as a thread in this menu and the menu will subtly well not really subtly but the menu will guide me and help me follow that thread that I am following. So for example, say I'm on the menu and I've set the day to afternoon and that thread is highlighted. If something happens on that location at that time frame that links to that thread, I will be able to visit that location. If not, it will be there's nothing for there's nothing of interest for you here. So the game is really clear about these are four really inviting and 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 really detailed and and interesting locations but unlike say return of the obra din i feel like there's there is a little more control here from the development team when it comes to allowing you to really flex that investigative muscle hmm. whereas and 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 for me i really i prefer that a lot more than return of the obra din which I felt like the onus was always on me to make those investigative leaps and to make those jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was only until Chris was like, well, I just Googled what shipmen wore in the 1890s. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't mm. even know that was a thing. Like, I didn't right. even know, like, the clothes were historically accurate. Whereas in Deathloop, it's like, I want to investigate this. And the game's like, okay, here's a good starting point. Okay. And taking this door, for example... Like, I noticed when I was playing the other day that there was this guy, this drunk guy, hanging around near that door. So in my little notepad, I put drunk guy near door. Is that is that the guy who's kind of half-dressed? Which half? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen him as well, just wondering about it. And, and I came back after doing something, and I came back, I noticed he wasn't there. I was like, well, he couldn't have gone this way. He couldn't have gone that Maybe he's gone to the door. So I made a little note in my book, and then the next time of that time zone came down. I came down and I watched him and I just sat there and I just watched him and watched his movements and watched his track. And he ended up urinating on electrical grid and causing something else to happen. And he didn't end up doing it. So I just murdered him. Um, uh, but 
what I witnessed there now links to another thing because I found a note saying that this garage door will be open in the afternoon. But if he pees on the thing in the morning, there's going to be no power to this garage door so it won't be able to open in the afternoon. So now I know, made a little note in my notepad, that I've got to kill him before he urinates on the electrical system or else the garage door won't open, which may lead to something else going on in the game. And these are the little investigative threads that, that Deathloop encourages you to follow like there is so much like observation just sitting waiting listening to conversations and at the moment everything feels so pertinent and important that i re- i just generally do just find myself going through these levels and just wanting to explore like wanting to just engage with the world around it and I was, I was speaking to Chris about this on the phone the other day and it was actually something that was brought up in this. I'm watching this no clip documentary about Prey, um, which is probably one of the greatest games that no one ever played. They were explaining how with Prey and their de- design philosophy is that they have environmental artists and environmental architects. Um, like So they have like environment designers and they have environment architects Mm -hmm. so the environment designers set up like here is a room and you will walk into this room and this will trigger and you will fight this person and the architect um usually in the process comes after that room has been built and they try and make it you know functional and look and look nice in a way however what arcane did for prey and i think this has bled on into death loop is that the architects and the designers worked at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the architects are, are working in a way where they're able to build a space that is functional, that feels lived in, that feels part of the world, but also is ingrained so much within within the design of the world that makes it so much more immersive and engaging for the player. Mm. And the levels in... Death Loop just have that running through them like a stick of rock. Like they are so incredibly immersive and they have so many different winding, leading paths, so much verticality and depth that every corner that you take, there's always something in your direction where you go, I wonder what's around there. Or I wonder what's through that door. Or I wonder what. And you're always rewarded with something like the, the environment design and the architecture is so incredibly and superbly uh, made that. Again, it's all there to encourage you to like push on, like go, keep on going through the game. The one thing I think that I found with it is I find myself, and this is going to sound really weird, using my eyes and my ears more than most other games. <laughs> that does sound <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, it does sound. No, weird. I, I know what you mean. Because I've been, I've been, um, I've been playing it. I've got uh, some 3D audio headphones. So I've been playing with those as well. And there have been several times where I've stopped and I've been able to hear where footsteps are from a direction. So I know that. So I've been able to hide in a certain place because I know they're coming from behind me. So I can hide so I can catch them as they come through. But also, the game I've been playing before this had been um, Spider Man Miles Morales. Um, and I got, I've got used to we've also played um division two recently as well and i've got used to pressing a button and the basically the game telling me where all the enemies are <sighs> and i can look around they're all highlighted it doesn't matter through walls and everything and that they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. there they're then there you, because you don't have that in this game and it and it i struggle with it right at the start you don't have that you have an ability to tag people but you have to spot them first so you end up sitting there, and I, a lot of the time I game when I game, I'm standing up. For some reason, I'm more comfortable doing that, and I'll stand up. I'm quite close to the TV, and I'll sit there. I'm just perched quite high up, just looking for people, and using kind of much more so than just pressing triangle, and it sends out a scan, and it goes beep 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 beep. Here's ten people in front of you. I'm spotting, and so a lot of time I'm missing people as well. So I'm having to constantly be on my toes, much more so than another game. Mm. I naturally play quite stealthily when I play these games because I'm useless in a big firefight. So I have to try and be stealthy, otherwise I lose. And the few times I have died, it's because I've got myself into a firefight and just been knocked out. But it's really interesting the way that it's not using certain um, game mechanics that are so prevalent in other games. Mm. And the kind of, it's a really good effect. 
That's a very OSR thing, by the way. That's mm-hmm. a like yeah. the, the way that the way that you're discussing that kind of thing, like this idea of like not relying on game mechanics to get you through, uh, and you know, an old school role playing game D and D like adventure, and actually using your intellig- your innate intelligence to actually figure out what the dungeon is. Like that's very old, old school. So, so this is the other thing that came up in this documentary that I'm watching about how arcane works. So as long as well as having the ar- the environment architects and the environment designers working together. Some of the environment designers, like this guy with the OSR t-shirt on, is also encouraged to play a part in the writing because they know how to basically create a space that is going to do exactly that, you know, that is going to create that sort of environment. So rather than having a separate person looking at this environment and going, right, I've got to write a story around this, like the writing is happening as the environment is is being is being designed like it's an incredibly like i am the next game i'm going to play after this is going to be prey because i really feel like that has been a completely underserved but uh, dan mentioned it briefly there like this connective tissue and like this slightly sort of dark um souls-esque and bloodborne-esque um mechanics to it and I think that is a part of the game which over the sort of 15, 20 hours it's meant to take to complete, I think those are the kind of things that's definitely going to keep me coming back for more. And that's the kind of thing that's going to really launch this into like one of the games of the year because basically there's this resource called Residium which you can infuse onto objects and powers that you get during a run. And when you die, you can then like keep that object. So as you're going through a stage and as going through a level, you're kind of harvesting this residuum and like building up a store and you can die three, you can die twice. And on a third time you get, you get shoved back to the start of, of the day, basically. So just like dark souls, if you die within this time frame, you can go back to where your body is and pick up all the, the, the stuff that you left. So there's incredibly tense moments where, you know, you're on essentially your last life. You've collected all this stuff <clears throat> and it's just like, right, do I do I push forward? Do I make a make a like break for the exit? And I think what's wonderful about Deathloop and the the slight difference it has to Dark Souls, and again, this is where I, again that ret- return of the Oberdin comparison comes into it. Like I think Deathloop does stuff that kind of streamlines something that is already quite popular and established, but I kind of prefer it in that way. So whereas in Dark Souls You'd like, oh, I've made so much progress. I've got all these souls. When is the next bonfire? It could be an hour away from now. It could be literally around the next corner. Yeah. In Deathloop, you've always got the exit there. And for some reason, that fills me with more excitement and dread and tension <laughs> than Dark Souls has ever done because it's kind of like the exit is just there. I can just go a little bit further around this corner because the, the exit is just there, Sam. I can make a run for it any, t- <laughs> any time. If I get into trouble, just make a peg for the exit. And the amount of times I've gone, oh, Sam. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, just love, I just love the amount of hubris you get in um, games like this. But that's the thing. Even though the narrative revolves around the idea of dying is fine, keep dying, that's, mm. that's how you play the game. I've never known a game where I've been so worried about dying. It's mm-hmm. you know, there's, suddenly there are stakes at hand that you want that you want to avoid death, even though you even though it's going to reset at the end of the day, and this will probably change as the game progresses. But right now, I'm kind of desperate to kind of stay clear of everything so yeah. I can try and survive. Peter, hello, mate. I want you to cast your mind back to primary school, Peter, in your. Your little shorts and your long grey socks. Mm-hmm. Does everyone else is everyone else now imagining Pete as he is now as a thirty-five-year-old man, but just in grey trousers? Yeah. Pumps? In my mind, he doesn't have the beard, but everything else, yes. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna kink shame you. Go on, Chris. <laughs> what games did you play in the playground as a child? What were the kind of go-to <laughs> games? Like, did you have oh. a playground that had like you know, like you know, like a hopscotch painted on the floor? Or- British bulldogs. Yeah, exactly. Primary school here, we're talking British Bulldog, which right. is, uh, I guess, like it. No, it's tag. not. No, no, it's, it's not. not. You've got a chain of people in the middle of the playground. You've got to get, and that's one team. The other team yeah. has to get from one side. It's like a variation. Wow. 
Bloody hell, you were you were fun around. You were fun to have around in primary school. Uh, do you want to play uh, British Bulldog, Pete? Well, I think you'll find that's just a variation, just a variation of, uh, of tag. tag. So uh, <laughs> consults the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm off to. I'm off to play. Um, what else would we play? Uh, we'd 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 play pogs at school, or you'd have your tazzos. Oh yeah, play pogs. Yeah, I I was famous for introducing pogs to my school. Yeah, no, famous. No, Sam. No, I'm I did. not. I'm I not did. having this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. He said introduce them to his school, not introduce them to the like what, to the what, like city. A, what, like, what like <laughs> yeah. a school assembly? He brought them to the UK. <laughs> hey, fellow friends! I've heard of this amazing new product. It's called Pogs. We should all get into this. Is not what happened, Sam. It is. It is. I have a very, very vivid memory of this occurrence. <laughs> there is, there is, a, there is a decent chance that there are. A number of people listening to this who have no idea what pogs are. Cardboard discs. Yeah, and you'd have you'd a thing pile called, up in a tower. And you'd have like a keenie, I think it was a called, keenie. which is like a chunky plastic disc, which you'd slammer. smash down on top of the pile. Keeny. Bloody hell, Dan. Come on. And you'd, flip, and you'd have to flip sections of them over, and whatever you managed yeah. to flip off the stack would be your yeah. share, essentially. Pogs, yeah, yeah. And there was Tazos as well that was confused the market a little bit but you got them free with crisps that was great yeah so very very vivid memory Mm. i picked up the beano one week came with (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah okay yeah i was perusing my local news agents i happened to pick up a copy of the beano you know i'd had enough of the financial times for today (laughs) (laughs) you have the latest beano i could perhaps is that the latest beano with all the latest news of all the hot gadgets and toys yeah go on sam usually you get like a stick of refresher a couple of like temporary tattoos whatever perfect but this week Mm. it came with Mm. pogs right and i told a friend of mine oh you should get these pogs too we went to school. We were the only people in our school who had heard of and had got Pogs. Because Sam interviewed every person upon arrival. Yeah. Well, of course, because you have your little friendship group and you're the coolest people in school and you're the eldest. Yeah, because you got the Pogs. Yeah, because you got the Pogs. So we were like, we've got these. And they were like, we don't know what these are. And then we are just like, let's slam down with our keenies, Dan. And then uh, I won all the Pogs and became Pog champ. And they yeah. carried you aloft. Yeah. Wow. Well, can you imagine playing Pogs, but <laughs> if you lost, you were immediately eliminated? Well, you didn't go to my school, did you, Chris? Yeah, the, the, the school of hard Pogs. <laughs> I've just Googled Pogs, and my brain has just like gone back in time. It's, it's made me dizzy. Mm-hmm. It's gone back that fast. It's, yeah. So I've, I've been watching this series that dropped recently on Netflix called Squid Game which is mm-hmm. named after a popular playground game from South Korea in the 70s and 80s, I believe it was. Kids would play it in the school. And I was kind of drawn to it because of its kind of like its look and feel, its production design. And it's from South Korea. It's what you'd call probably a survival drama. Um, I would probably <laughs> would you? I would probably call it that, yeah. I mean, it's from... It's, I'd just call it a drama. <laughs> well, it, it it's... I would probably describe it as a deadly version of Taskmaster, which we spoke about a few episodes ago, but as if it was like directed by Lady Gaga. Like it's got a very surreal kind of production design that's equated with it really. It's about nine episodes long and I've only, I'm only about halfway through it, but I'm, I've become quite addicted to it. I've had to meet out my experience of it because I've, I've, it's very good. I, yeah, I found it really addictive because I was really worried it was just going to be one of those awful, um, TV series like the films we get at the moment which are like those escape room gone wrong kind of scenarios where or like you know like saw that kind of stuff or where you're kind of where you're kind of locked in this room and it's just oh how can we kind of torture mutilate these people in in the most cruel and most vicious ways possible but actually this TV series reminds me a lot of Parasite not because it's from South Korea but because it's a really interesting meditation and critique of capitalism and um, the premise of this game is you've got 456 people who are, who are down on their luck and literally on the brink of financial ruin. Um, are each, they're each given this kind of little brown business card and it's got like a triangle, a circle and a square on it. And on the other side of it, it's got a phone number. And by ringing that number, you can kind of get your place on this game to win this massive, massive cash prize. 
Um, if they accept this invitation, they're picked up by a van whose driver is masked, completely masked, and the person gets in the van, they're sedated, and then they wake up in this gigantic room with everyone else in this space, all these bunk beds, and they're all wearing the same uniform. They've each got a unique number. Um, and they're told there are six games in total that take place over six days. And each game is a, as a kind of a sadistic version of a childhood game. And whoever lives until the end of the game wins. And there are three simple clauses. First one, a player is not allowed to stop playing. Secondly, a player who refuses to play will be eliminated. And thirdly, and I think the most interesting one, mm -hmm. games may be terminated if the majority of the competitors agree to do so. But these are people who are desperate for money. Um, the lead protagonist who you follow is this kind of um, Seong Gi-hun, who's played by Lee Yong-yai. Um, he's a really pitiful character whose gambling addiction has led to divorce, loss of custody of his child. And outside of the game, he's this really awful kind of human being. He's constantly mm. asking people to lend him money. Um, he robs his mum, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, just really kind of, you, get, you see him in the throes of addiction. But you put him in this game room and he becomes really amiable, loyal, very optimistic and he's an utter delight and you encounter other characters along the way there's one person in there who's who defected from north korea and they're all in the, they're all here for different reasons in this space and actually what's interesting even though you know the game is an interesting aspect of it it's a kind of the cherry on the top really seeing how they're going to fare in this game not knowing what the game is in advance none of them do and seeing what it is and trying to work out what it is from little subtle clues what I love about this, like I did with Parasite, was just the characters. And, mm -hmm. and, and it makes you ask yourself some really interesting questions. Like, is actually this, this, this game, this tournament, worse than actually being outside there? Or is actually this actually strangely fairer, where the rules are much more spelled out and, and everyone's within a fighting chance of securing that prize? in a manner that they don't feel they have outside there. And it shows about the power of greed, the power of wealth, um, and what people will do for money. And there's a, there's a scene that is one of the most tense scenes I've seen in television in recent years. It, it involves honeycomb. And it's just phenomenal, really. It's so weird, the look of it. And I get the sense the reason why they've done that is if you, if you try to tell anyone outside of the game what you'd experienced, you describe, oh, yeah, there's a giant glass pig above the ceiling which has all the cash in it. We went into one area and it was just a giant kid's playground. People are not going to believe you. It's, it's extraordinary. And learning about the people who work behind the scenes, who you never see their faces, they're all dressed in these pink boiler suits, learning about their hierarchy, that circles at the bottom of the ladder, those who've got a square on them, are higher than the circles and triangles above the squares. And they have their own rules that they're following and their own game that they're playing. Yeah, I think the trailer does it a bit of a disservice yeah. because it comes across a bit like a Battle Royale-esque Hunger Games piece. But really, it, it's, it is more than that. And it does share a lot of that South Korean style to it. You, you could watch it and know it is a South Korean piece. Like it is the focus that it has on character, but not not just that, but, and I mean, my, my exposure to South Korean sort of cinema and TV is obviously limited, but things like Park Chan-wook's uh, Vengeance Trilogy and um, Bong Joon-ho, uh, Parasite and like Snowpiercer and Host, those sort of films, what tends to be the through line through them is that they're very, very focused on character, mm. but they're also very, very focused on examining a, a very singular idea or a very singular issue. And it seems to be like the same with Squid Game is that there is this, this wonderful examination of these characters, but then there's also a very singular focus on this idea of capitalism and especially like that that hierarchy of capitalism and and the, and studying the most desperate people in it and what they will do to try and achieve what they think gives them status which is which is money and it also shares so much of that of that style that that language and I don't mean I don't mean like korean pete what i mean hey. is that <laughs> what i mean is that um mix of 
humor and um, drama that I think is emblematic of the best dramas. Like I, I'm one of the people who stands up for Breaking Bad season one. A lot of people don't like it because they don't like the humorous moments in it. But the reason why the why is so great is that comedy is is drama, and the best drama is is funny. Um, and and this has it in in spades really. And as, and as Chris says, like the lead character is. It's, it's always really interesting when you make your lead, your protagonist, kind of difficult to to like and difficult to appeal to. But again, I think that just shifts focus on the situation that they are in. Like, you're not necessarily rooting for him. Um, there's nothing that, like, there's nothing really at stake if he wins or loses. Kind of you, part of me thinks... Well, should he win? As Chris said, like you start to examine and question the, the things around it. Like, should he win? Because that just shows him that these behaviours, these traits that he has learned and and that he is addicted to have borne fruit and success. Money will not will not fix your problems. So like you're you you are encouraged to examine the game and examine this situation situation in. So it's it's exceedingly clever. Um and 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 compelling like i i am really like i'm i mean i rarely have an hour to myself to really watch stuff and why the last man has just dropped and if you asked me before this what would i be watching why the last man or squid games i would have said why the last man what the squid games (laughs) now but now i'm like well i want to watch squid games why the last man can wait like a series i read all of and still own all of why the last man and instead, Chris has got me watching some South Korean drama with a massive doll in it. Bloody Chris. Well, that all sounds horrible. Um, Have you been playing anything lovely, Pete, then? I've been playing some. Thanks, Dan. Because I've also been playing something lovely. Have you also been playing something lovely? Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I have continued my exploration of the fantastic world of mobile video games. And I have uh, continued my exploration of mobile games that Pete has sent me to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Of the Wordscapes. I should say that I am on level like 60-something of Wordscapes now. I told you it's good. And I hate myself. Yeah, great, good. (laughs) So, um, well, you'll hate yourself even more uh, if you pick up a game called Everdale. Um, so I've been playing this with Dan. Well, I've not been playing it with Dan, but apparently Dan has been playing it at the same time. But we've we've mm. both been playing it independently. So yeah, I sort of convinced Dan to uh, to go and give it a go. Um, so Everdale is from Supercell. So this is Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. We talked about Clash, Roy- Clash Royale back in the day. Um, Boom Beach, I played a lot of. Boom Beach was real good. Uh, that was a real good game. Yeah. So, um, so if you've played those games before, um, you'll you'll know kind of like the, the 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 visual style of those things. Like they're they're cute, they're rounded. Like the style of it is very squidgy. Uh, I, I like the UI. It's always kind of like a little bit plump. Yeah, all, all a bit cartoony. Um, but also very well put together. Like clearly, like Supercell. Like they are. These are not like cheaply made video games like i know how super like back in the day when i was covering this stuff like i know how supercell makes these games they are tight they know what they're doing um so everdale is i think it's my i think it's my favorite supercell game because it basically removes the one thing i don't like about clash of clans um and that's battles so in Clash of Clans, um, you build up a village. You um, you have these different resources, you know, various different resources that you need to be able to uh, to acquire to then build different buildings. And then you it takes time to build those buildings. And then you uh, and then oh no, I've been raided. So people come and raid your town, and then you have to build it all back up again. It takes forever. Um, and then you go and raid them, and then you're part of a clan. And then you raid everybody, and I just hate it. I hate it. Like it, I think it's, I think it's, it's just not my cup of tea. I don't like competitive. Uh, I, I'm not a, a hugely competitive person when it comes to these kinds of casual games. 
Um, and I also just don't really enjoy all that much, like being around competitive people regularly. So like, you know, I was part of a clan in for Clash of Clans and it was constantly like, you need to make sure that you're here at 5pm because we're going to go raid. You know, it's just like, no, I won't be doing that. I'll be living my life. Um, Everdale gets rid of the battling bit. So what it does is um, the whole point, and there's some amazing, I've actually been watching some of the YouTube um, documentary stuff that they've been doing. <laughs> You've been watching your fancy pants documentaries about this high-end video game, Sam. I've been watching some of the um, the documentary stuff that Supercell's actually made about their own games um, for, for Everdale. And basically, the team behind it is like, yeah, we just wanted to make a nice, we just wanted to make a nice game. Fair enough. We just wanted to make like a game where, yeah, you don't have to compete and you you don't have to feel pressure and you just do nice things. Just do nice things like help out, help out some um, some sort of fluffy fairy things that are floating away if you're not careful. Oh, you got? Can you make sure that you build up a nice net to catch them all? All right, I'll help out, and then you do. So you said that you were playing with Dan. So how does it work? So valleys are what replace clans, to answer your question. So the way that you play together, you have a, a valley, which is shared between up to 10 players. And the idea is that you have a democratically elected leadership. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, it's amazing. With you involved, I don't I know. I know, right. I, I'm constantly sending each other, yeah, vote for me, vote for me. Vote. Pete the Tyrant. Um, yeah, the tyrant. Um, so there's a, a a trio of elders, and they're the people who have the most hearts by doing the most good deeds. And then there is a leader who is democratically elected whenever a vote is called. So the so everybody in the in the in the, the valley can can vote. It's great. Like it's 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 legitimately become one of my favorite games of the year. It's 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 like. It's it's exactly the tonic for for like it. Here's the thing: when you are when you're playing a mobile game, what you want to do is you want something that is just entertaining enough to keep you occupied, but not so mm. much that you can't watch whatever it is that's in the background. When you're playing a mobile game, you want to you want two or three minutes worth of play, and you want to be happy and you want to be entertained. That's that's what yeah. I feel a, mo- a, a good mobile game is all about. And this game delivers that. And it then just, it's amazing. It really does have this cadence to it where it's like, you've done everything now. And the game literally says, you can just go and do something else if you want. Yeah. Well, come back in three hours. Like, don't worry about it. Come back. Come back later. There's no, you don't have to stick around. I'm not as enthused as Pete, but that's, I mean, that's saying something though, because Pete is very, very enthused. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very slow paced game. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, you do said there are plenty of times where I'm sitting there thinking, I I just want to do just a bit more. One of my favourite features of it is that if you click onto your resources, it gives you like a one hour, a four hour, and an eight hour yeah. prediction yeah. of yeah. how many resources you have and kind of the 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 tracking of it. So if you've got say one villager cutting stone, one cutting wood, and one cutting clay, you could look at it and say they're fine. All those are going to go up. However. In half an hour's time, you're going to run out of food. It's just going to be gone. And then once you run out of food, they can't make this. They can't do anything then because they need to eat. So you yeah. need to put someone on food, and then it'll show you, and it'll say, "Yeah, well, you're going to make some food, but it's still only going to last you to an hour because he's like, he can only make it so quickly. Mm. He can only make the soup so quickly before they all kind of need it. So it's a lovely thing of trying to work out. I've there've been times for past where I've moved the storage of the wood away from yep. the wood, the yep. trees, so it yes. takes them longer to cut the wood, just so my food lasts longer. And there's yep. like a weird strategy element that comes into it, but it is a case of trying to work out how you can kind of tweak it and fudge it to make sure you can get what you want. It it is really really clever. It it's all about logistics. And like the fact that there's all this data in there to like figure out where it is that you're meant to be putting your time and resources, unbelievable. Can you only have one valley each, or can you have multiple valleys? Or... You can only have one valley that you're in. Um, all right. Okay, and cool. so, for example, if we wanted, we could create our own valley. We yeah. could be in our own valley together. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Wouldn't I'd like that. We, yeah. Well, then, if I tell you what, if you two install it and and give us the receipts that you are actually installing it and playing it, then a hundred percent, I'll leave. I'll leave my valley. And uh, okay, we, cool. We can, but only if you become 
<laughs> Lord High Emperor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> only if I become leader. I went to university once with a lovely guy named John. And we lived together for each of the three years I was at university. And he he loved tea so much that he, first of all, he had a special mug that I think he'd had imported or he bought from America that was even bigger than those Sports Direct mugs. It's huge. It was it was absolutely huge. What's, what, sorry, Sports Direct mug? What's... Oh, blood. Like a ceramic bucket. Can you just search now for Sports Direct All mug? Right, we'll hold wait. on a second. Well, I, I tell you what, I'll... we'll just play some like elevator music. Do. Yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Do, do. Everyone other than people in America will know exactly what I mean when I say Sports Direct mug. That's a big mug. Yes. It's a big mug, isn't it? It's a big mug. Jesus, that's as big as this woman's head. <laughs> Who's this woman? Is it being modelled by someone? <laughs> Do we also have to explain perspective, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> the woman is further away. So, so to put it into perspective, it's a it's a twenty ounce mug. Okay, so you pour out two of those when you're remembering a friend who's passed. Um, <laughs> that's why people come to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the references going from very niche British tea drinking to <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So Go on. I I think John's mug was bigger than it was certainly classier than the Sports Direct mug because it mm. was a it was at least minimum at minimum it was the same size but it had a it had a nice design on it. Yeah. And. What John would do would, he would fill the mug before bed, drink half, go to bed, wake up. Oh, perfect. Here's the other half. Hang on, of tea? Of tea? Yeah. He told mm. me, I, remember, I remember him telling me off once because I'd poured his tea away because it was just left on the side. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So you'd have, I mean, I, mean, I love tea, but I can't yeah. drink cold tea. <laughs> cold tea? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely disgraceful. That is some dis. There's milk in there, just like <laughs> leaving milk out for like eight hours. I mean, he absolutely loved tea. I remember once on my, I think it was my twentieth birthday, he woke me up in the morning, and John was an absolute darling, and he goes, "Oh, I've, 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 knock on the door and." Said, hello Sam hello I've, I've made you a cup of tea I was like oh thanks John that's wonderful it's my birthday after all I made it last night uh, <laughs> <laughs> went, I've put something special in it and I took one sip at it and I just looked at him and just went is it Jägermeister and he went yes it is <laughs> happy birthday I was like ah oh, university oh <laughs> gosh oh. D- does he let the tea bag steep for eight hours Sam <laughs> can you imagine that just a black hole. I've just got one small um, board game recommendation if, if you guys are up for, up for hearing about yeah. it. I think it sort of latches onto a bit of... Like, there are little, like, zeitgeists that run around board games and everything, really. You had the roll and write times. You had the, the current, like, time loop zeitgeist that's currently in uh, video games and for some reason i didn't notice how much where's wally or where's waldo would become like the thing that has propelled board games along like or or might do for the next um sort of few years because obviously we spoke about micro macro this excellent Mm -hmm deductive investigation detective game spread over this sprawling black and white where's wally-esque map and i thought that's really unique like other than sequels of micro macro that they do of which the second one's just been released full house um there we we will not see another where's wally-esque kind of game based on that you've got a massive map full of full to the brim of different characters doing lots of different things with the aim of distracting the eye so you can't really focus on the on the thing that you're trying to find or deduce. Well, blow me down with a box of cards 
Um, someone's only gonna done another <laughs> Where's Wally esque um, board game, and I, I, I was. I mean, me and Chris have played it. I think we were both really surprised by, you know, I think I think we both went into it thinking how much is this going to be just like micro macro and i think we both came away with from it going you know what this is actually a really nice and different experience to what micro macro does and it's a really nice experience it's a game called last message mm. or last message um and it's by uh you lee and jiung king and i think it's more where's wally than micro macro is and by that i mean if you've ever owned a where's wally slash waldo book you would always be looking for Wally in lots of different scenarios, like, oh, Wally's on the moon and there he is surrounded by aliens, or Wally's gone to a medieval fair, or that that kind of thing. Like, Last Message is very, very similar. But the crux of this is, unlike Micro Macro, where you've got these predefined cases that you're trying to deduce and be the detective in, one of the people playing the game is the killer. And so how the game is set up is you have this screen that that divides the table up and it plays from three to eight. And I think we'll get on to play account a bit later. But the idea is that say you're playing a three player game. So two people will sit behind one side of the screen and then one person sits behind the other. The two people that are sitting together, one person will be the killer and one person is the victim. And so the killer has this little like translucent like plastic a lens a magnifying lens isn't it like a little magnifying lens that they that they will that they will look on this map and the maps are are exactly straight out of a where's wally book so in i think there's like one set in space there's like a superhero one where like hundreds of these superheroes are fighting over a rooftop there's one which seems to be some sort of like it almost looks like the festival of hobbington after they've battled the five armies or whatever happened at the end of uh, return of the king um and they will look at that scene and they will pick one person, obviously in silence, and, and, and drop that little magnifying glass on and go, right, that's who you are. I've killed you. And then the victim has 30 seconds on this dry white board to write down as many clues. They can be words. They can be pictures. So say, for example, your character is holding a diamond. You can write diamond and draw a diamond. You just can't write diamond, 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 diamond over again on this on this board. And the reason for this is because once those thirty seconds are up and you've pretty you've you've drawn or written your last message saying I'm being killed. This is who I am. The killer then gets the chance to cover their tracks because the dry whiteboard the victim's using is set up in a grid. And in the first round, the killer gets to rub out five squares of that grid. And it's a three by three. So that's more than 50% of, of what the grid is. Then that dry white ball gets handed to the player on the other side of the screen. And they've got to use that information to try and deduce so and find good. the victim in this scene. Hmm. And yeah, it's it's... It's really, really interesting because it's kind of just like it. It emulates a lot of those things in that runs through pop culture, where you know someone's being killed, and it's just like they're trying to get their last message through. But it's like, and don't go the and it's just like, well, <laughs> and just from that little bit of garbled, it really simulates that like garbled last communication from someone in order to try and find find out who they are. So then you, you, if you're looking, you try and look and you guess and you say yes or no, got them wrong. And you get to keep that dry whiteboard and then the same process happens again. The same person's been killed, but now the killer can only uh, rub out four sections and then it goes on to like a third round where they can only rub out three sections. So you're getting more and more clues as, as the game goes on. And that's it. Like it's, I think it's simplicity is one of the reasons why we really enjoyed it, Chris, because games were lasting like 12 15 minutes maybe maximum and i think when you got a game like this where some of the appeal is you play it and you go oh i want to do that roll next oh i want to do this roll next like when you've got really short simple rounds 
you can rattle around the table really quickly and everyone and within like a 30 45 minute play session everyone gets a little experience of what the game Mm. has to offer you're absolutely right and what i found really interesting was that when you're handed this grid this whiteboard me personally i was thinking oh that's great i can do nine individual you can write whatever you want i can write nine i'm going to just do nine little individual drawings or words one for each square and then we were playing with your wife and i passed the board to them and they actually wrote across everything so actually when i was rubbing away um sections of it i was leaving behind like gaps in this kind of larger picture or message and that was really interesting the kind of strategies that can develop really it's it's really lovely and and as you say i like that kind of delineation of roles where all you've got to do say as the detective is just try and solve the clues and that's a nice thing to do but you don't want to be doing it all the time and likewise no you know, you don't want to have that stress of having to write all the different clues out over a minute or so. And there's something quite nice, likewise, about being the person who's just their one job is to, to choose who gets murdered and actually decides, oh, actually, if I just edit, remove that square here, that's really going to throw them off the sense. Mm. It's actually not about trying to remove a lot of stuff. It's actually knowing, actually, it's about thinking about what I want to leave behind that will actually cause the detective to look in the completely different place to where I want them to look. And it's never really frustrating. No, 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 it's not. I, th- I think it has a exceptionally good like entry level to it because other than Codenames, which is a great game, and once you get into a game like Codenames or Decrypto, you're into it and you understand it. But explaining that game can be really, can be difficult at times. And I also think like the age range of people who can play it is also a little bit limited. Like I feel like it's, it is like erring up to the highest sort of like 12 plus code names. Whereas last message, I think you could give it to, you could introduce it to really young children and they would have a whale of a time because it, because essentially you're making your own where's Wally. Like they, the, the, the children don't have to be the detective or the people rubbing out. They can just be like, right, here's, here's an incredibly well animated kid friendly scene here's some clues that dad or uncle dan has written like who who is this person mm. Let, let's try and let's try and find them and explaining it as well the rules explanation is just so incredibly simple i think i th- i think that the really the only thing that lets this game down is that like i i can't imagine eight people playing it like i can't imagine six people all standing around this this animated scene trying to work out exactly what these clues are, clues are leading towards like there's something nice about it being maybe i'd say five people maximum like i feel like above having more than three people on that side of like the detectives makes it a bit impersonal there's something, there's something quite nice about a small group trying to get into the head of the person who's trying to write this message from from beyond the grave i i think anything more than than five kind of dilutes that a little bit but yeah it's it's i i think it could when when people start like asking me like you know what what uh, a good party games but not just that but really good like family games i think last message is going to it's going to start creeping to the top of that list. It's very, it's very, very good. So there we are. That was staying in from myself, Sam Turner. There was Peter Willington. There was Daniel Frost. And there also was Chris Darby. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the podcast. It's really nice to have you here with us. And we really want you to get involved with the podcast wherever possible. And there's loads of different ways that you can do that. The, the, the simplest and the easiest thing to do is if you're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, just, just give us a follow. Staying in pod on all of those platforms. You can follow in the background. You can get involved with us, asking us questions, sending us some DMs, some recommendations. We'd we'd love to have you really. And and we try to make them really nice and inclusive places. You know, all we're doing really is showing off a little bit of the stuff that we're doing, maybe behind the scenes, games that we've been playing, some unboxings, especially on our Instagram channel, tons of unboxings and little like shots of things that are arriving in the post for us it's all very exciting but we'd love to have you there as well uh, if you want to engage with us um 
in other ways and you can always go to the website stayinginpodcast.com you could send us a question or just a little comment um, on email stayinginpod at gmail.com you can also find us in um, in different forms on Steam and Board Game Geek. Now, over there, we've got what are called curated pages, where it's essentially stuff that we talk about in the podcast, namely video games on Steam and board games on Board Game Geek. We will compile them all there. So essentially, we've got two lists that exist on the internet of great stuff that we love, that we've talked about on the show. And, you know, all the details and all the lists are on Steam and Board Game Geek. Just look for Staying in Pod. We've also got... Oh, my word. Chris has very diligently created Spotify playlists um, of music that is included in the games and the videos and the uh, films and stuff that we talked about. If it has a soundtrack, then one of those tracks is in one of the playlists that we've curated on Spotify. So you can engage with us there. And obviously, we absolutely love it. The other thing we love is questions, 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 questions. Please send us some or recommendations. Just let us know on Twitter, on Facebook. And and if we answer, if we bring your question to the podcast, then we'd also love to send you one of our exclusive staying in um, stickers. So that is an incentive if ever I heard one. Anyway, um, I hope you're all doing uh, really well. Had a blast on this episode of podcast and we spoke about some great things. Um just to recap on those great things that we spoke about, obviously um, the incredible Squid Game. If you can watch that on Netflix, we've also been playing Death Loop, which is on the PS5 and Steam as well. Really, really in- enjoying that. Last message is available. Um, it's produced by Yellow and it's available at most, if not all, good board game retailers. And we also spoke about the mobile game Everdale which is available on Android and iOS. And we also spoke about tea and why it should always be served at the optimum temperature. Anyway, so I hope you're being lovely and respectful to all of those around you because obviously you're a wonderful, wonderful person and um, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. But until next time, bye-bye.